We do hand out the lyrics on these little sheets. So if you didn't get one of those, just raise your hand and one of the welcoming crew will bring it in. If you're just walking in, grab one of those sheets and uh, sing with us. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. I can't see you with my eyes Deep in my heart Your presence I find 
Sing the first verse as we worship you. Let all the world come and see how the mercy we've received from you can set them free. As we worship you, may all this joy that fills our hearts bring a hunger and a hope to straight so far come on as we bow in adoration and stand in reverent awe show your majesty and glory that you're anointed oh let it fall as we declare your name lord jesus as the only name who saves may the power of your salvation Fill each heart we pray as we worship you. As we worship you. As we That's our prayer this morning. You may be seated. Rich Meyer. Oh, there you are. Use this one. Uh, good morning, everybody. I have uh, walking instructions here, or instructions from uh, your pastor, uh, Ben Green. And it starts with, uh, introduce yourself by giving your name and role. Well, my name is Rich Meyer. Tom already told you that. The confusing part is what is my role. And uh, anyway, uh, I want to I want to break things up and start this morning by uh, just telling a story. I'd like to know if uh, Jim and Nancy Hawk are here. Uh, how about Evan Roberta Hoyt? Okay. Well, this is this is kind of an interesting story. I don't get a chance to do this type of thing very much, but one time, a long time ago, uh, we were all on a fishing trip in southern uh, Chile in the Patagonia area. And our first night there, our first evening, we had a big dinner with a, a big table and all the guides and all the fishermen were there. This is our couple's thing. And uh, true to form, we sat at the table and we were getting ready to eat and uh, Jim Hawk says, uh, Pastor Meyer, would you pray for us? Well, without blinking, the main head guide blurts out, you got to be blankety-blanketing me. <laughs> and uh, we, we held hands and prayed around that table. These are rough-and-tumble guides that have kind of a tough life. And uh, actually, what Jim said... You know, we did every meal 
with them. They got to looking forward to it, and it really changed the whole atmosphere of our whole fishing trip right from the get-go. But uh, anyway, this is officially a, a welcome. I want to thank everybody for uh, coming to Rimrock. Uh, I want to encourage new people here to, to fill out the connection card. There's also a gift for new visitors at the welcome table, and there's water available too. Uh, Baptism Sunday and All Church Picnic is next Sunday. Rimrock Downtown will be here as well. So if some of us uh, go there quite a bit, so uh, you'll see some old friends coming. And uh, if you want to get baptized, contact, uh, contact the pastor uh, or the church office by this Tuesday. Uh, starting September 11th, there will be two services starting Wednesday nights, and, and Wednesday nights will start on September 14th. Now, the real reason that I'm here this morning, besides welcoming you and uh, look at this beautiful day that we have, is to introduce you to a program called Teammates. And some of you are already familiar with that program. Most of you probably know from reading our news reports and everything that you know, our country is in kind of a mess, and our schools are kind of hurting too, and we've got an awful lot of kids that need help. Uh, a superintendent of a schools uh, in another part of the states, of the state of South Dakota told me, yes, we need school psychologists. And I said, well, why? He says, we've got way too many broken kids. Well, a school psychologist is going to help a little bit, but that's not going to fix the problem. The problem needs to be fixed in our families because we've got broken families too. So my request from all of you is not for money, but for your time. I'm going to suggest and encourage you to become a mentor for the uh, Teammates program in Rapid City and the Black Hills. Teammates is a mentoring program started by Coach Tom Osborne from Nebraska about 30 years ago. And what it does, it takes a mentor, you, and, and connects you with a mentee in one of the schools that are involved. You would meet with this kid for a half an hour to 45 minutes once a week at the school. It used to be kind of difficult because a lot of you that would like to do this are gone too much. Now there's a, uh, a part of the program that can be done virtually. So it opens the door up for folks like Gayla and myself to uh, participate in this program. Our kids, every kid needs a mentor. Our kids need your help. And this is probably one of the biggest things you can do. You guys have all kinds of experience and world, world skills that these kids need. Our kids truly are hurting. So I'd like you to go to www.teammates.org, O-R-G. And, uh, and sign up to be a mentor. I will help walk you through the process. It's actually pretty simple. And if you'd uh, come talk to me after, after the service today, I'd like to get your name and contact information so that I can help follow up on this important thing. So I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, uh, coming to hear uh, the Pastor Green's words on this beautiful day. I, I guess it's uh, Bill's going to talk, not Pastor Green. but. Uh, so thank you for being here. God bless, and please uh, talk to me afterwards about teammates. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Incredible ministry and lead.
So uh, I meant to have Michelle print this in the bulletin, but somehow our email didn't happen. So I'm, God laid on my heart to read a short verse out of Psalms chapter 68, verses 4 through 6. So I'm going to say a phrase, and then you guys will repeat it after me, and we're going to lift this up to the Lord. Psalm 68, 4 through 6 says this. Sing to the Lord. Sing to God, rather. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Would you repeat that? Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt him who rides through the deserts. Exalt him who rides through the deserts. Whose name is the Lord. Whose name is the Lord. Be jubilant before him. Be jubilant before him. A father of the fatherless. A father of the fatherless. A judge for the widows. A judge for the widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. Is God in his holy dwelling. God makes a home for the lonely. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out prisoners into prosperity. He leads out prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious live in a parched land. Only the rebellious live in a parched land. Amen. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. When I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. Oh, then you came along and put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Amen. Come on, lift it up. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Let's sing that to him again as a prayer. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Amen. No, I'm not afraid because you know my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you see them all. And still call me friend. Amen. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And there's not a place your mercy and grace 
won't find me again. Amen. Lift it up. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'll sing it to him again. Say, oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who cares you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into nothing better than you, Jesus, and we thank you for that. Thank you that you came to make a way for us to fall into your arms, to be loved and forgiven. Thank you, Lord. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body. 
God, you know what's going on in every life, every heart. God, you know what we need to hear, and we know that we need to hear, God. Holy Spirit, would you break through? Start with me, God. Tear open the curtains that guard my heart from hearing you, and change me, God. We're trusting you for that. You speak through, Bill. Listen through us. mind sunglasses I'd like to see you while I'm talking see if some of you fall asleep or if you're nodding off that helps me at least know the direction we'll take here it's an interesting uh, task sometimes Ben and I and Nick and uh, Boomer have talked about sometimes being given God's word and to somehow try to bring across to you something that will be more than just transferring information something that would be able to somehow penetrate our lives and then have an impact that we would display uh, the very life of God as we walk through each day. And in Mark, as we've been going through the book of Mark, there's a central theme that's uh, throughout the whole book. And as I was thinking of that comment, the central theme throughout the whole book, I've also found out there's a central theme throughout the whole uh, Bible. Then there's a central theme throughout all of creation, and that this is not a story about you and me. This is a story about God. And there's a lot of times that Jesus, uh, matter of fact, 70 to 80 percent of his teachings were in parables. 
And a parable is an interesting thing. A parable is basically defined by taking something and laying it down beside something that is familiar to the listener. Jesus spoke in parables all the time so that it would not be just a transfer of information, but it would actually have the ability to relate to you so that you might be able to then hear what he's saying and it would have impact on your life. And a lot of times when you're listening to parables, especially in the book of Mark, you've listened to uh, Nick last week and Ben the week before, and they have so awesomely handled the word. There was something that they said that is very, very, very important. Matter of fact, it's necessary because without that information, you will not be able to fully understand a parable. It'll just be a nice story. And the story can be, uh, you know, reiterated to somebody else, but the fact is, there's some key that I really wanted to emphasize today, and if you only got one thing out of this entire message, it would be this point, that it's extremely important that we grasp and understand what Jesus was saying and all the miracles that he has performed so far in the book of Mark. We get so caught up in the miracles, and we get so caught up in the things that uh, that are exciting for us, who we want to be a part of, that we sometimes miss the whole concept. Uh, ben shared it a couple weeks ago. I, I heard it very, very clearly. Uh, last week, Nick really hit on it, uh, especially as we talked about the transfiguration. And, and, and let me try to kind of break it down in a little bit of what I think he was saying. All the way through, he would do a miracle, even like the, the feeding of the 5,000. They would come back, and they would then get worried about the next people that were hungry. And Jesus says, have you forgotten? And it's easy for us to think what he's talking about is, have we forgotten that I fed the 5,000? That's not the point he's making, because when they come on and point to that, he says they did not understand. And what he's saying is, have you forgotten who it is you're walking with? Have you forgot who it is that laid out the expanse of the stars and the galaxies that do cartwheeling, uh, troubling back and forth with the gases shooting back and forth millions and billions of miles away? Have you forgotten who is standing with you? And the point that I feel like we need to see here before we can really grasp anything else in the word of God is to see who is this? that somehow stood before these disciples, that somehow they did not see. And when he asked them, they would go ahead and make comments of the things that he did. Isaiah, it's an incredible verse. Isaiah chapter 66 says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, and this earth that you peer upon is my footstool. The mountains that are behind us, the river that runs beneath us, the trees that have growth and the different colors, how they continue year after year coming out and producing something that glorifies God. He says, it's my footstool. I put my feet up on it. And the galaxies that you marvel at and you get the telescopes and, and uh, Connie Diedrich was showing me pictures of the new galaxies they found uh, and it's mind-boggling. And he says, I placed them there. This is the God that was walking with the disciples. This is the God that he kept telling his disciples over and over again. It isn't what I'm doing. It isn't those I'm healing. It isn't those that I am raising from the dead. It is way more about, do you have any idea who stands before you right now? The people were talking about, well, wait a minute. Before Abraham was, he says, 
something way greater than Abraham is here right now before you. And then they talked about Noah, and he said something, I mean, Jonah, and he said something bigger than Jonah is before you right now. And so the point I want you to see that has literally changed my life and changed the way that I read Scripture and had somehow opened up these parables to make them more readable and more applicable is that God is wanting you and me to realize who this God is that we bow down and said yes to. Who is this Jesus? He's not somebody that we just says, oh, he did a lot of miracles. It is the presence. And last week, I think Nick was talking about, and he said to, uh, when, when the guy said that his son, if you are able, and it's Jesus' response is, if I am able, somehow you, can, you have not comprehended who stands in front of you right now. And then the transfiguration where he comes up and sometimes we read stories in the scriptures and we just go on to the next part because we've read them before. The transfiguration would be like they were standing up here and all of a sudden heaven opens up and the thunder, louder than you've ever experienced thunder, and here before you is Jesus being transfigured into this amazing, glorious white that basically people were scared of. Peter didn't know what to do. He just said, let us build three temples because he was terrified. I think the best that one of the disciples got it was when he calmed the storm that was coming. And the storm was, they were, thought they were going to die, and these were fishermen. And he basically speaks to the, the wind, and he says, be still. And then remember the comment, who is this that even the winds behave? And they became even more terrified. Now, my desire is not to go ahead and have you see this and be terrified. It's to go ahead and realize until you know who this God is that we sit here and raise our hands to and worship for and who did the design of these mountains and laid out the expanse, this God has for some reason decided that he would come in all of his glory and power and live inside of you and me and he dwell in us. Sometimes I think we come to church here in the meadow especially and we, we walk by and we pick up the brochures and the songs that are there and then, and then they say, hey, by the way, don't forget the Holy Spirit. And it's like we pick up the Holy Spirit we get here. This living God inhabits your very life if you have surrendered yourself to him and have bowed your knee to him. Let me read something else. My wife and I were reading this yesterday and we always read a psalm together and we read this psalm and I said, man, this psalm is kind of what I'm trying to explain. It's Psalm 18. And it said, Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains were trembling and were shaken because he was present. Smoke went out of his nostrils, fire from his mouth devoured, coals were kindled. He bowed the heavens and came down with thick darkness under his feet. He rode upon the cherub and flew, and he sped upon the wings of the wind. And he made darkness his hiding place and his canopy around him. Darkness of waters, thick clouds of skies. From the brightness before him passed his thick clouds. Hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, for the Most High uttered this with his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out arrows, scattered them, lightning flashing in abundance. And he rooted where every one of them would land and appear. This is the God that I want us to get a grasp of. If once we understand that this is about his presence and who he is, 
then now all of a sudden these difficult passages that we're going to look at start to make sense. They start to have a, a they, they're ran through the presence of God, not so much what he will do. Uh, I've many, many times told you from this pulpit that confession is good for the soul, and it's, but it's also usually bad for your reputation. Last week, I was, had this in mind, because we know way ahead of time, a couple months ahead of time, what we're going to preach on. And I knew that I was going to be talking on this topic. And last week, while Nick was preaching up here, he used an illustration, and he used something that was quite amazing. And here's kind of the story, if you'll bear with me a minute. About a week and a half ago, uh, in my job, I've been working 41 years at a ministry where I would, people would come and want to go ahead and have me help come alongside and show them Christ and see if we could see the freedom of Christ in their life. And when I was uh, oh, young, uh, well, 41 years ago, people would come to me, and I was very, very young, uh, and I would say very childlike in my thinking, but I, I really believe God could take care of people. And people would come to me, and there would be clear signs that they were being oppressed by demonic powers, just like you'll see in the whole book of Mark. These were unclean spirits that would bother people, and it might be maybe a spirit of anger that was so overwhelming they could not stop it, just exploding at people they loved, and they were under this oppression. And, and, and so during my time of visiting with them, it seemed like God would prompt me, and I would go ahead and and agree with God that they could be set free from this, and the people would be set free, and there would be just amazing things that you would see, just immediately people set free from that so that now they could go on and work through some of their strongholds. I saw it week after week, month after month, year after year. And then, as my later years here, uh, and I was thinking of this, and I told my wife, I came home, and I said, "Hun, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this anymore. I feel like uh, there's, I see something and it seems real obvious to me that people are being oppressed and it seems like it's something that's outside themselves that's causing kind of fiery darts on them. And so I'm, I'm praying that they would be released and that they would be delivered from this and it appears that nothing's happening. So I was sitting right over there last week and I was in the middle of listening to Nick as he was talking. And by the way, if you haven't got this, Ben's week before and next week was still saying the same thing that I'm saying today. This is a story about God and who he is. What are you going to do with this man called Jesus? And I'm listening to this, and so I'm contemplating, maybe it's time to hang it up. Maybe there's not that anointing that God gave me, and so maybe I ought to just go ahead and do what I'm doing is help some of the younger people know where to go with this stuff. And then Nick used and shared a story. And if you'll remember, the story was the, the guy that had his son that was being uh, oppressed by this unclean spirit. And he comes down after the transfiguration, and the people are amazed. Somehow they're amazed. I think they saw the glory of God still remaining on him like when they saw Moses. And they came up, and they were arguing. He knew what they were arguing about, but he, but he asked them. And the man tells about his son, 
and Jesus basically treat, reaches out and f delivers his son of freedom. And his disciples said, how come we couldn't cast it out? And Nick hit on this, but I want to really hit on it today. He said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Literally, that meaning is this kind only comes out through union with me. And it dawned on me that I had been seeing these symptoms in people's lives as of late and started relying upon my history and my experiences from 40 years past. And so I would use the formula and use the name falsely by saying in Jesus' name, and I would pray against it, and nothing was happening. And God said to me right at that time, this kind only comes out in union. That means if I decide I want them freed from that, they will be freed from that. Not because you in the history have seen them freed from that. And many things of your life, Bill, have been done by just repetition because you've done this so long. You're in greater need now than you ever have been in the history because of where our world is today to make sure you're in, in union with me to know what it is that I want to do to flow through you to impact people's lives. And it's not a formula, and it's not adding a little phrase in Jesus' name at the end and tacking it and thinking something would happen. And God basically opened my eyes to the fact that in everything I do, unless I'm in union with God and recognizing the incredible presence of him inhabiting my life, I have nothing to offer you today. You have no ability to hear anything in your life that would have any impact if it isn't the fact that you're aware of who this is that is living inside your body. Does that make sense to you? And so... There's times you might see things that you think need to be done, and you see them, and I know somebody. I can look out and see people's faces here that I recognize that when they see somebody hurting, they're instantly over there to help them out, and that's a wonderful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing to have eyes to see the needs of people and be willing to lay down your life and give to them, but it's not a wonderful thing if that thing that you're reaching out isn't something that the Lord Jesus Christ in his name wants to flow through you and minister to that person. That kind of work will ultimately be burned as we're going to see in the story as we read. Now that's a long runway to get to our passage. So Mark chapter 9, if you look at Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 30 through 50. I don't know if we'll make it through all of them, but I want you to see with what's We've talked about how these things can start to make sense in light of those. Never read not understanding that this is a story about this incredible God who is present. And from there they went out and began to go through Galilee. He was unwilling for anyone to know about this. For he was teaching his disciples and he was telling them, uh, listen to this. I don't think it can get much clearer than this, but listen. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they'll kill him. And when he's been killed, he will rise three days later. That makes sense to you guys? But they had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask him. That's interesting to me. And then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question him, what were you guys discussing on the way? They were silent because on the way they were discussing which one of them was going to be the greatest of all. 
uh, hold that thought uh, when Tom's going to prepare a song or when Hannah's going to prepare uh, some of their music. They usually call me that week and we talk about what we're going to talk about. And Tom uh, has been reading a lot more since his other job is no longer there. So he's been reading a lot more. And Tom called me and said, you know, I saw something in here that was interesting. And he read it to me. And I went back and read it. And I said, you know what? That's true. There's something here. These people were arguing about which one was the greatest. Their story and their life put them in the center of the story, not this one who they're with. So they were constantly going through, and through this whole portion of Scripture, you'll see them comparing themselves with other people. Comparing themselves. C.S. Lewis wrote Mere Christianity, a chapter on pride, and he said pride is always a result of comparison. You're always comparing yourself with somebody else. And it's the basic root of pride. And these guys were doing the same thing, which was the greatest. And he said, unless you're the least, and unless you're a servant, you won't be the greatest. And then he does a parable. He takes a child, and it says, and taking a child, he set him before them, and taking him in his arms, he said, whoever will receive one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not only just receive me, but he's receiving him who sent me. Now, right, right in the middle, think of this. He's talking about, he's pondering of Jesus did that. John yells out, teacher, we saw people casting out demons in your name, and they're not following us. <laughs> Almost like he interrupts him to say, well, what about this? We're the elite group. They are not following us. They're casting out demons in your name. And Jesus said, don't hinder them, for there's no one who will perform a miracle in my name. Now, in my name... If you've heard me talk about this before, I do not believe in any way in Scripture that that means we tack on the three, the three words that says, in Jesus' name, we pray. In his name is the very presence and essence of God and his desire flowing through you. And as he wants to do something, that's what it means to be in his name. There's a lot of us, and I've done it lots of times. I've always wanted something I want, so I tack on in Jesus' name, thinking it might be received. That's not at all what he was saying here. He was saying, if you're in close union with me, you won't even have to ask. It will flow out of you, and that will be in my name coming forth. And he says, if these people somehow have heard me and agreed with me, and he is, uh, they're casting out demons in my name because I have purposed it to be, so leave them alone. And you found out that what they were doing, they were cast, trying to cast out a demon, not in his name, but as followers of somehow that we can do this and nothing would be cast out. For whoever would even give you a cup of water because you're a follower of me will not lose your reward. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if he would, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck. Now, I'm going to read this portion, and I know you've heard it lots of times, and we're going to look back at it. And if your hand is causing you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands go into hell into the unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame having, uh, than having two feet and cast into hell where worm does not die and fire is not quenched. If your eye is causing you to stumble, cast it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and fire is not quenched. How many have read that before and kind of pondered on that? 
I do know that as I look out here and I look over the group, I, I can't see everybody and I don't know everybody, but I doubt that any of you have cut off your hand or cut off your leg or poked out your eye or cut off your members because of lust. But somehow this has remained confusing to you. But if we go back and we look at through what grid are we going to read this through and through what uh, lens are we going to see this, this is a story about this incredibly holy God that said that he fulfilled a purpose that he declared way back in Ezekiel and also in Isaiah. And he says, at that time, that new time, a new covenant's coming, I'm going to come up and take residence inside man. I'm going to live inside man. So man will no longer be going to the temple and going there to worship, but I will place myself in him, and he will be the temple of my existence. And I will take your heart that was a heart of selfish ambition and stone, and I will transform the heart to be a heart that's after my own making. This story was about your heart. You can cut off everything, and if your heart's not there, it's not going to go ahead and do anything. But you and I have been given a heart that a heart is desiring what is right. If you're, if you're going ahead and falling into these things and you have no grief, then I would basically check. You go back to the point of your salvation and see, did you actually receive this God that we are talking about today and last week and the week before? Because if you're talking about them, he comes in and transforms your heart. And then he goes ahead, and this was interesting to me. I kept saying, why does he keep repeating this where worm, uh, how's the wording there? Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Well, let's go back to the first verse I read in Isaiah. That very chapter where God says that I made the heavens and all the galaxies, and that's my throne and this earth that you marvel at and all the rivers and mountains, that's my footstool. And he says, but the thing that catches my eye, what really catches me, declares the Lord, and what I really like to look at is that man and that woman that is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my presence and my name. And then he ends this whole book and the whole chapter by this. For I'm going to come and there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth which I'm going to make and will endure before me, declares the Lord, and all of your offspring will know my name. And it shall be from new moon to new moon, Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come then and bow down before me. But those that transgress against me, that basically have rejected what I have offered, there where a worm does not die and fire is not quenched, that's the end of the chapter. Those are people that do not have a new heart. They're people that do not have the life of God in them, so they can try to do right. And he says, you best just cut off all your members and try to go ahead and do that, and even that will not satisfy. What I'm desiring is your heart. If you really have the heart of Christ and those things that, that you've caused you to stumble, don't you just grieve when those things happen? Doesn't it lead to some type of godly sorrow that leads to repentance? And that's what he's pointing to. You see, these parables and these proverbs are fairly understandable when I come back to the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. I want, if anything, if you guys would just do this. Practice this week. Practice this week reminding yourself of this everlasting eternal presence of this God in you. 
If, if you begin to be more and more aware of that, you'll begin to be more and more aware of his presence. You don't have to look for God's will. It begins to come out of you because of that presence that's in there. The last part of that scripture says that they will be tested through fire. And that fire basically is explained in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, where it says that the works that, that you and I do by allowing the life of Christ to flow through us and love through us, those works are going to last somehow, and they're going to be honoring, and God's going to give us some type of reward for those. The works that we do that are not in union with him, that are just us and our own effort, they will be tested, and the fire will consume them. It says, though you will still be saved, but those works will not be recognized. They will be burned. That's what that's talking about. Still, another story about those that have embraced my very life and live with my life flowing through them, they're the ones that are reflecting what they were designed to reflect. And this world will be attracted to you because it will be attracted to this majestic God that inhabits us. And if it says, if you'll lift God up, all men will be drawn to him. Would you pray with me? Father, as I was talking to Ben beforehand, I, I even looking back during the songs and seeing just the majesty of your mountains and stuff. Who are we that we can somehow even think we can grasp the little bit of who you are and the magnificence of who you are? Yet somehow you reiterated over and over and over again that we were to be united with you. In your last days on this planet, Lord, you said to your disciples, you got them alone and you quieted them and you spent the longest time of teaching you ever spent and you reminded them over and over again, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I will basically send my spirit and my spirit will dwell within you. I won't leave you alone. It's a spirit that you don't know but is with you but will be in you. And then you repeated it over and over and over that my spirit will abide in you and you will be not be left alone. I'm with you, but I will be in you. And so therefore you said, Father, when they grasp this, that I came from you and that it's good that I go so that your Holy Spirit would dwell inside them and they now will be containers and temples of your reflection. When they grab this, I am ready to leave. And at the end of John 16, Father, you said, they now understand that this is about the union that you want with them and you, and it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray now in the name of Jesus that I know it's your will that everybody here that has come to know you would be empowered by your Holy Spirit, and it would be brought to their remembrance over and over again of this incredible relationship that they have, and they would quit striving and wearing themselves out and let your life abide through them. And I ask it knowing you will... Honor it because you said you would. Amen. God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to Across the skies, these hallelujahs 
let's sing. Your love that great Let's sing that chorus one more time. God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May this offering 
Stretch across the skies These hallelujahs Be God bless you guys. Thanks so much for coming today. Hey, don't forget, next week is our big baptism picnic Sunday. So come along, bring your friends. Also, there's a, young, there's a woman being baptized right now after the service. We want to invite you to join us. Pastor Ben's going to baptize her, I think. And uh, anyway, somebody's going to baptize her. <laughs> so come on down to the creek and join us. Thank you very much. Thank you.